0: Welcome to First Takes. Thanks for joining us here for your weekly conversation with the pastors of First Pres. But we've got special guests here today, and I'd like for them to introduce themselves. Let's start with you, Karen.
1: Hi, my name is Karen Ellis, and uh, I am the director of the Edmiston Center for the Study of the Bible and Ethnicity at RTS Atlanta. And um, it's a joy to be there. What we study is we study Christian endurance under anti-Christian hostility. And so we uh, sort of look out across history and um, around the contemporary world and talk and research and analyze how Christians live the Christian life in some of the most challenging Mm. places in the world.
0: Mm. Yes, wonderful. We love the work down there and so thankful for you and Carl. And then we also have Pastor Andy Longway. Tell us about yourself, brother. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Gabe. It's an honour and a joy to be uh, with you today. I'm Andy Longway. I'm the Minister of London City Presbyterian Church in the heart of uh, the nation's capital in the United Kingdom, London. We meet on Aldersgate Street. You may have heard of that street because that's where John Wesley had his heart strangely warmed. We actually meet in the church building that's on the spot where we believe that event happened. The first time the great hymn, And Can It Be?, was sung was probably in the same area as well. So... We're a, a Free Church of Scotland congregation, out of bounds, in the heart of London. I'm married to Marina, and we have two
0: children, Theodore, who's four, and Elizabeth, who's two. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for being here. And then, uh, do we, we, Randy needs no introduction, but thanks for being here anyway, Randy. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay. So just a, a question that's been floating around in my head. Uh, we've had the missions conference here. And um, let me toss this out to you first, Karen. Where do you see challenges right now, uh, given your background with the Edmonston Center, with missions and persecution?
1: And can it be? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since you said that sir, that's that's it happened, it... <laughs> I've been thinking about that song. We can go to talk about We're it angry such... too. <laughs> it's such a great hymn. It is, isn't it? You know, and mm. uh, you know, I just I love standing in places where God's mm. history happened. Yeah, you know. Um, it's, it's just amazing that you that's where your church is. Okay, so reframe the question for me re- one more time. Okay. Now that I'm not focused on that wonderful <laughs> hymn that Andy brought us.
0: And can it be that there are <laughs> missions... <laughs> no, just given the background of what you're talking about with persecuted the persecuted church and the challenge of missions in persecuted countries, persecuted people groups... What are some things that would be helpful for Christians living in the West that don't face those challenges to know what to pray for, what to think about, just some things you're seeing?
1: Yeah, a couple of things uh, come to mind quickly. There's a there's a conversation that um, we've been able to, to share uh, with the, the congregation at First Press through this missions conference, through the women's uh, portion this morning, where we were talking about a larger global conversation where the church is beginning to speak speak to herself across geographic and linguistic lines. Mm-hmm. And that really reflects a couple of really interesting things. First, that the church is now in a posture of teaching mm-hmm. itself, herself, across all those lines and saying, how do you do what you do where you are, particularly under anti-Christian hostility. And so there's been some um, exchanges, um, letters have been written from one challenging area to another. Um, Conferences are now being held. Um, Sometimes the the pastors are in such challenging areas that they can't even get out for the conference. But a lot of people, a lot of uh, people who live in the freer world are expressing an interest not just in the stories um, you know, I think about the, the great work that Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors have done you know, in, during the 20th century to bring us those stories. But now there's a shift. There's a shift as we are experiencing in the West a rise in anti-Christian hostility. I don't call it persecution here. Mm-hmm. But there is something different going mm-hmm. on than what we've experienced in the past. There's a level of, a new level of discomfort mm. being a Christian in the West. We've gone from wanting to hear those stories... To a willingness to live them, and I think that that is, a, and it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a subtle undercurrent that's happening um, as people return to first things, priorities of the New Testament, uh, a return to kingdom prayer, a return to the value of you know uh, the uh, the, um, uh, the you know things like um, the the ordinary means of grace and the strength that they bring, the, the preaching of the word and the sacraments and discipline to remind us that we are actually a set apart people living amongst many different cultures, many different kinds of cultures, not just ethnic cultures, but mm-hmm. cultures that are following false stories. Mm-hmm. And so we're, there's, this, there's this wild undercurrent of people running into each other saying, I've been thinking we need to reorient our prayer lives. I've been thinking we need to read you know rediscover the the, the ancient story that we're all a part of. So there's I guess there's this new movement e- that's even redefining our concept of what we even mean when we say the West. Like the way we think about what the West is is radically different from what it was. 20 or 30 years ago. The West is a much more diverse uh, place. Um, more minority voices more and more have platforms. So there's a lot of shifting and a lot of transition going on mm. towards more of a kingdom understanding of who we are as a people.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And that, that just sparked when you said that in my mind for you, Andy. I mean, you're pastoring a multi-ethnic congregation in one of the heart, the heart of one of the world's global cities. Mm tell us about that and and what with what uh, Dr. Ellis has been talking about here what that looks like in your context in London mm. how you're seeing uh, in real time mm. what what we've just heard laid out for us yeah so what i
2: I'm, i've only been in london for a year and a half i was ministering in scotland in glasgow and it was a great privilege to be there uh, every prayer meeting every sunday service we were praying that someone would come into our church and that was a great longing and we're doing evangelism. In London, we, we literally have a church service Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and the nations every Sunday walk through our door. Mm-hmm. The hardest people to get in church on a Sunday morning in London is a Londoner, someone who was born and raised. The most incredible thing is God is bringing the nations to London and they are hungry. It's many of the people who walk through our door do not profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're they're intrigued, they're they're curious, and so they they come, and it's like the reverse Great Commission. We've not gone anywhere; they're coming to us, and they want to hear about Jesus. It, it presents huge challenges, of course. Uh, they they're coming with. English is our second language, and so we need to be really thoughtful, um, even in the, the communication of the gospel. The challenge, of course, is, is that we are a Scottish church that was planted in the heart of London, so we have a culture. Uh, we're an ethnic church, if you like, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes are, are blind to our own culture that we we, we we have and we treasure. And you have people from all across the world coming in, bringing their, their own culture, their own understanding, And it's how we truly express the oneness and the unity and and incarnate the gospel that's both contextual for them to understand and shows that they are loved and valued for who they are. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's happened the last two years is the wars, the, the war in Russia and Ukraine the amount of Ukrainians that have ended up in London, and we've had a number, just even this past Sunday, there was a sister there, and uh, she was um, thanking me after the service. We were, I, I just prayed for Ukraine, and she was saying, you don't realize that um, you're praying for people like me, and um, she, she's, she's in our church. We've had Russians come, um, a, a young Russian guy came to our church. He's not a Christian uh, and just curious. And so you have this beautiful thing. I- I'm always blown away that on any given Sunday, we might have a Chinese and a Hong Kong, mm-hmm. two people who, who don't want to really mix, and then they show up in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, one of the biggest challenges I see, and it's, it's especially for the people who say come from Britain or even America, is that sometimes I realize that our understanding of the globe is so so poor and so small. Mm. So, there's one Sunday, we, every Sunday we have people back for lunch, and there's one Sunday around our uh, dining room table, there was a number of us, Scots and Americans. I'd invited a girl who's from Africa, and uh, the country she's from in Africa, uh, Angola, is a very wealthy. Uh, gold, um, oil, lots of that, and one of them, my my American brother said, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Angola. I was like, I've never heard of that. Is that just another poor African country? Oh, wow. An
3: American said that? Yeah, but he- Never.
2: (laughs) But he didn't know. Uh, But also, I didn't know to tell you the truth, and I was born in Africa, I was born in Malawi, and then you, you start to hear someone's story, and the same thing happened. A Nigerian was at church, and we were all talking in generic terms about persecution. And this Nigerian could come and say, my family right now in North Nigeria are going through real persecution. And so that's another, just being in a global city opened your eyes to the, the kingdom in a way like never before.
0: Mm. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Randy, I think that you've brought here for us at First Pres is the long history you have with cross-cultural mission, um, cross-continental missions that you've done. How do we, how would you encourage somebody here at First Prez or in Chattanooga or Tennessee, whatever, uh, given what we've just heard, these, these experiences that the nations aren't coming to a lot of our churches' doors, what do we need to be doing to understand better? How to relate to our brothers and sisters from different cultural contexts how do we how do we, as Karen said, pray that kingdom minded prayer use the means of grace to show the beauty and truth of Christianity in a changing West and a changing continent?
3: Mm. Wow, I wish I had a really good answer for that. Um, I do think just hearing uh, what we're discussing, you know there there is a necessity for the evangelical church, especially in a, in a context like Chattanooga, we are like one of the last bastions of white evangelical stability and power in terms of our churches. And the danger is to think that that's normal and that we can preserve that. The danger is not necessarily for us the, the danger is that the kingdom, we are not being flexible for the kingdom as the Lord brings all these sociological and demographic changes that the whole world is going through to our door. And part of that uh, is not just our ignorance. Um, some of it is our own racism. Some of it is our own prejudice, our own comfort level. I mean, when you when you have the affluence we have and the security we have, you hope it never comes to your door. And so you, you sometimes think the way to protect it is to be xenophobic, that is to fear strangers, to fear difference. Um, there, there are different, if, if I could articulate a little bit from what you've made me think about, there is persecution in the world to the church in many, many places. And as Karen points out, she's not saying that's happening to us. It is not. Um, But in the West, there is opposition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, Christians who are used to a sort of a Sunday school Christianity, when they encounter opposition, it feels to them like it's persecution. Because, oh my gosh, you know, Mm -hmm. you're telling me that what I'm saying to you is, is ridiculous or... You know, like in the universities, especially. You may go to the university and all of a sudden you're made to feel like a fool because you come from a Christian church uh, that has orthodoxy about gender, about sexuality. So there's there's persecution and there's opposition. And I think we would like to live in a world where You know, people are just open to what we have to say to them. That world is changing. And uh, the secularization of the West um, is becoming more and more pervasive and more and more in opposition. And it may arise someday into persecution. Uh, Sometimes what we think is persecution is just political difference. And that's not the same thing. Um, But there's another factor, and that is what I would call trauma. And that is where the nations are moving. Ethnic groups are moving. We talked about the war in Ukraine. Uh, Now there's the war in Israel and Palestine. There's the conflict in Nigeria. There's the trauma of poverty. So you have economic migrants. There was the civil war in Syria. And so you have all these catastrophic pictures of whole boatloads of migrants sinking. In the Mediterranean Sea, and these people, uh, you know, are going through all kinds of changes. They they no longer are in a culturally closed place. They are now being exposed to all kinds of people. That's an opportunity for the gospel. But if our middle class white American churches aren't flexible enough to see that as an opportunity for the gospel. They'll just meet it with resistance because they see other ethnic groups coming and they don't know what to do with them. So what, you know, what, what the world sees as a problem, God's people ought to see as opportunity uh, to see an opportunity to love, to serve, uh, to bring people in. Uh, I, I think, it takes an amazing transformation of grace because uh, I don't like changing my routine at all, you know? And that's, that's part of the issue. How do we get normal Christians to be that flexible, to, to, to have their day, their week, their life interrupted by people who've been traumatized but are, could now be open, if not to the dogma of the gospel— they would be open to the love of the gospel. First Takes is produced by First Presbyterian Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our theme music was written and recorded by Wes Breedlove. Our sound engineer is me, Dylan Thomas. Our host is Dr. Gabriel Fleur. S.K. Van Pufflin is our executive producer. And for more information about First Presbyterian or our ministries here, visit our website at 1stpresbyterian.com.